0: You really need to make sure that you're just asking yourself the right questions, what your ultimate goals are. If I can make half a million dollars a year with a couple million in revenue and have 10 10 employees, five employees, hey, that's a good life. If that's what you want, great. You just gotta be honest with yourself.
1: Welcome to the Authentically Successful Show. I'm Carol Schultz, founder and CEO of Vertical Elevation, a talent equity and leadership coaching and advisory firm. We partner with founders and CEOs create talent-centric organizations, either where they don't currently exist, or rebuild companies into talent-centric organizations. We are committed to supporting your vision and values by creating healthy, successful companies, leveraging the best talent, retention, development, and succession strategies. Listen at the end of the show for information about becoming my next guest on one of the most important podcasts for building thriving companies. Here we go. With me today is Shane Foss, founder and CEO of Hooray Health, a limited benefit medical plan provider built to use with a national provider network of retail clinics and urgent care centers. At Hooray, Shane and his team focus on offering peace of mind to lower income individuals and families who face medical challenges while also providing business owners with an affordable way to reward and retain employees. So I say bravo, Shane, and welcome to the show.
0: Thanks, Carol. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. So let's dig right in. When you say reward and retain, that leads me to think that these are companies that wouldn't normally be giving benefits to their employees. Is that correct?
0: That is correct.
1: So tell me a little bit more about that and and what the impetus is for them, if they even feel that they need it, and how you're able to get them to realize the importance of this.
0: Well, we are uh, we are in the most challenging times as an employer ever, right? For uh, recruiting and especially retention, and so uh, employees have a lot of options. Uh, Wall Street Journal published in May, early May, that there were 11 million open jobs, 11 and a half, six million available employees right that's a 5.5 million dollar or 5.5 million so you've got to get really creative and so what's funny is everybody we talk to is like oh my gosh I've capped out at salary I'm you know I've done everything else but they haven't done any type of benefit and you know the, the challenge is that population is um, you know and a lot of people are starting out right I remember in my 20s I was there and so you know a lot of people are starting out and they need some type of health benefit. It's not going to be major medical. I get it. You know, they get it, right? They're, they're like, look, I just want to be able to go see a doctor. And so it's they're- living, the Sharp
1: stick in the eye, right?
0: Exactly. They're living <laughs> paycheck to paycheck. That's um, right. They, they need, you know, they're looking for short-term financial stability. You know, most employees, once you get in your thirties, you're looking at long-term, right? You got 401k, all these other things and major medical to protect that long-term stability. Well, if for, to re- reward and retain these employees, if you're offering them a benefit that allows them to go see a doctor when they're sick, right? I don't have to worry about balance bills. I don't have to worry about you know not what the unknown is, right? Um, that is how we provide these employers the opportunity to do that because you know the reality is, if I'm making fifteen dollars an hour, I am going to put off care if I'm sick. Of course. Guess what? If I've got COVID. I'm going to fake it and go to work as long as I can. And then what happens? You're infecting everybody else, everybody else. Yeah. You know, instead of, you know, giving them the ability to go to the doctor, pay for it, get the care they need, stay home, rest and come back healthy. And so um, it's a, it's a really interesting time with inflation going where it's at, you know, pay is going up, but it, you know, you, you look at what, what, they're putting out from a, uh, from a, a pay scale or a, a really the impact that it's had. Um, it's not very much. It's, you know, everybody in their mind is thinking, Oh my gosh, we went from seven average of $7 to $20. You know, we're talking cents, right? Most people are still making, you know, 10 bucks right below 10 bucks an hour um, when you're talking about the mm-hmm. part-time scale. So they, it's just not, a, mm-hmm. it's just, for them, it's just not realistic, right? And so then yep. what happens? And you got high turnover and, you know, and it's not just about the pay. They need some stability. They need to be able to take yeah, their well, kids in. Yeah. And so, uh, so that's what we do. We're, you know, we're, we're very pragmatic about what we are. We're not, we're not major mm-hmm. medical. We, um, mm-hmm. we just want to offer hourly employees or lower wage employees, the opportunity to have health benefits that, um, that prevent them really from, you know, when they go to a doctor getting sent to collections because they don't know what's going to happen. Right. right. And they, they end up right. going to the ER where they get some crazy bill that honestly mm-hmm. could have cost a couple hundred bucks as opposed to, you know, 2000. And mm-hmm. so yeah. um, that's where we're at.
1: And they probably, and they probably don't know enough about how to negotiate that down to a couple hundred bucks.
0: Well, you know, what's funny is I talk to people in our industry and they don't know how to negotiate it down. Right. It, yeah. It's, it's yeah. not that easy and it. And so we kind of, you know, we really focus on affordable access to care. That's what we do. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. What, what most people don't realize is that 66% of all personal bankruptcies are due to medical related bad debt, right? It's
1: unbelievable. But do you know how
0: much money that is though? $600 is the average bill. We're not talking $40,000, <laughs> $50,000. We're talking $600. Right. And yeah. so, you know, it's, so people are making, in this situation, people are making, you know, Decisions they're making financial decisions based yeah. on you know from when they really need to be making hey what's best for my child or what's best for me from a health right. standpoint and so right. it's just you know it's it's uh, it's it's absolutely fixable it's just you need mm-hmm. to you know you need to go out there and provide the access to that uh, that product
1: mm-hmm. so uh, you're a veteran of the Air Force Shane uh, you completed a surgical technologist certificate uh, and then you spent the next twenty years in the healthcare. Sector in a number of different roles. Tell me a little bit about that journey to where you are today and like where you, you know, had the aha moment because this is what all successful companies are built on the common denominator of seeing a problem and going to fix it, right? A problem that needed. That needs to be solved. Doesn't want to be solved. It needs to be solved. So tell me about that journey and how you came up with realizing this is a problem that 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 needs to be solved, and I want to solve it.
0: Yeah. So um, so when I joined the military, I joined the Air Force, and they I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I um, and so luckily, I was I was kind of steered this direction to work in surgery. Basically, what you do is you assist surgeons during surgery um, during, you know, all surgical procedures. And so I fell in love with it. I happened, I really lucked out. I was at, uh, the air force's largest hospital, which is Wilford hall in San Antonio, Texas. And I got, I was exposed to every, I mean, transplant surgery. I was exposed to, you know, open heart. I was orthopedics and I just, you know, and I loved it. And so, um, I, uh, you know, I worked weekend nights. I worked 16 hour shift Friday night, Saturday night, and then eight hour shift Sunday night. And I went to school full time during the week um, and graduated, you know, in, or I graduated in December after getting out of the military in September. So it was a great experience for me. Worked really hard. But, um, it, you know, it was uh, I love medicine, love healthcare, care. And uh, and so that led me into uh, my wife is actually a physician. So she graduated the year before me. Um, ends up, we, uh, we have, we're married a year. She ends up pregnant. So one of us has to work. So she's already in medical school. So great. <laughs> right. I started work for Johnson and Johnson in on the uh-huh. orthopedic side and never left, you know, I'd spent next 20 years in medical device sales yeah. and absolutely loved it. I were, ended up working for a company called the striker orthopedics, which is mm-hmm. you know wonderful. Very well known. Yep. Wonderful organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, they, uh, you know, they paid for my graduate school. They, you know, just a great organization. Couldn't, couldn't, have, couldn't have had a, a better, um, uh, better place to learn. And so when I left there, I started in, on the private equity side, got my, bought my own first business after that, um, turned that around, sold it, and then went back into private equity a little bit. And then um, we were exiting out of a company, and one of my best friends from Stryker got his first CEO job, and it was in healthcare benefits. And it was this little company called Employer Direct, and basically, they were insolvent at the time. And when he asked me to come in, he, he, uh, I went in as a COO and he just said, look, I need you to, we need to fix this and I need to raise money. Let's, you know, let's make this work. And so I just fell in love with it. And healthcare benefits is, um, is one of those spaces where there's been such a lack of innovation for so long. There's so much money in it. And, you know, it's usually the second largest PN line on the PL for a corporation, but yet,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, it's still the
1: salary, it, right?
0: Yep. And what blows yeah. me away is you still, a lot of people don't figure it out. And so anyway, um, we turned that business around, we sold it. and It was, and that had to do really in my realm with surgery. And so after we sold it, I stayed on six months, mm-hmm. new owners got, you know, we moved out uh, Clint and I, and uh, started consulting. And then I had this idea when I went in for my own back, I literally never had a back issue in my life, went into this urgent care where I always go get care. And um, I had uh, one, United Healthcare at the time, I had a $75 copay. Well, so I expected pay 75 bucks and nothing else would come out. Well, they go in, they take an x-ray in my neck. I've got a, a, they they thought that I had a bone spur that was irritating my nerve root. So they gave me Mm -hmm. two injections, a muscle relaxer, anti-inflammatory. And so sent me on my way. Three weeks later, I get an $800 balance bill. So I (laughs) am like 99% of Americans. I know how to negotiate, and I know exactly what's covered not. So I called them, and I said, hey, you guys are in network. Why is there, you know, and they said carve-outs. Sorry, we got carve-outs. And I was like, oh, so this wasn't global fee, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, long story short, I said, well, since it was a carve-out, that means it's not contracted. So guess what? i pay you 75 Ugh. bucks and they took right. 75 bucks, right? A 10th mm-hmm. of what it was. And so it's, it's still really frustrating because the average person would not
1: doesn't know. To, yeah. Does not know how to do that or that they can't even do that.
0: Yep. And so, <laughs> so from there I said, you know, I am obviously not the only person that this is going to have, or this is happening to, and then started looking really at the market. What are the uninsured rates? What are all these things, you know, what's going on? And so, Really came up with the idea for Her- hey for Hooray Health, and uh, I st- I went um, I went out I created a a, a contract with urgent care owners um, in Dallas, and it worked nationally. I mean, I literally I'm the only one I, that has contracts the same exact contracts whether you're in Seattle, uh, Washington DC, Manhattan, Dallas. It doesn't matter. All of my contracts are the same, and so what we did was we actually we actually wrote the contracts to where we paid a, a global fee, but we, what we did was we had no balance bill in the agreement. It was a $25 copay, no balance bill. So, any service rendered under the roof of that facility, whether it was mm-hmm. I'm getting an IV because I'm dehydrated, my back, mm-hmm. an x-ray, a, an injection.
1: Stitches, whatever.
0: It yeah. is whatever. It's a $25 wow. copay. So, So if I'm making 12 bucks an hour, I can afford $25 because I know it's going to be $25. And so in the six years we've been in business, we have had zero balance bills that have ever gone back to the member. We, in the beginning, you know, we get some confusion and there would be a balance bill, but we called, worked it out. So we've never had, knock on wood, we've never had an issue. And so-
1: That's fantastic.
0: So it's, you know, then as we evolved, right, we, you know, we listened to the client, we listened. So we've, we've expanded and we've done, uh, you know, a bunch of other things, but really- that when you look at under the age of 50 right now, the majority of Americans do not have a primary care doctor that they see every day. It takes too long, right? Oh yeah. It takes too long.
1: (laughs) Under 50. I'm
0: sick. So guess what I'm doing? I go to the urgent care and the the urgent care from the time you check in to the time you check out, it's 60 minutes nationally. Oh, by the way, um, I've got onsite x-ray. I've got onsite lab. Guess what? I don't, I mean, it's, it is the wave of the future. This will, you you see more and more primary care going this direction. And so, and if you look, you know, about 90% of what you can do, uh, or you can do about 90% of what they do in an emergency room in an urgent care. Right. I, I was there, yeah, I had right. 14 stitches in my hand in an urgent care. Right. Yeah.
1: Anybody can do that. Yeah, right.
0: exactly. And so, mm-hmm. um, so, you know, we, we, started there and we started with really small companies. And then we, um, Mm -hmm. uh, we quickly went up to larger companies. And, uh, and then as the markets evolved, it's really interesting. We, we started with in the small company space, you know, a new company starting out, they, they can't afford major medical benefits. Right. And so what do they do? They offer us with dental and vision, and we're almost starter benefits for a startup, right? I mean, so it's fine. You know, you get get a little access mm-hmm. and then they can eventually grow out of us, which is perfectly fine for us. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. our goal, we want everybody to have major medical, but the reality is not everybody can afford it. Right. And so what we've seen as a trend over the last couple of years is we've really transitioned into, we went to full-time super small businesses and then to part-time large jumbo businesses. And then now we're in large businesses that, are full time that have a large hourly population that's not participating. And when i say that, you know, 10 15 years ago if you had let's just say a, you know, a Cigna or a United or Blue Cross one of what you call a buca, right? The big the big mm-hmm. four. If yeah. you had one of those plans, they required you to have 75% participation. Well, they don't have those Or they wouldn't insure you. Yeah. yeah. They don't have those requirements anymore. You know why? Cuz we're seeing we're seeing 80% participation with Managers, but then you go down to the hourly rate on the full time. We have groups that we've we've done this year where they had seventeen percent participation,
1: oh, right?
0: Seven no. percent participation, and why is it they can't afford it? You know, if you have major
1: a, medical, yeah, we're talking if about you, yeah, business. major yeah. medical. If you it's have too a, expensive, yeah, if you sure.
0: have a three thousand dollar deductible, and forty one percent of Americans don't even have four hundred dollars in the bank account. As your income goes down, that number rises, right? So. Sure. $3,000 may as well be a million, right? It, yeah, they're functionally no, it. uninsured, right? So that's mm-hmm. the problem. And so where we come in, we've we've been really creative with our plans. And, um, you know, depending on the income levels, we can start it off at $50 and we can go up to $200 and just elevate the, match the, really the plans to what their income level is. And so now at least, you know, they have a dignity card, which is, you know, the ID card, right? They can go into a clinic, they can, you know, they can get, benefits. They're they're not ostracized by, oh, your cash pay. Okay, well, here, let's mark that up 300%, right? Um, and, uh, you know, they know that then go and get the basic care they need. And that's our goal.
1: So, you founded the company in early 2017, Shane. Um, you're privately held. Mm-hmm. Tell me, you you started uh, bootstrapping, yeah?
0: Yeah. Yeah, started so bootstrapping. Tell me, tell
1: me a little bit about about that. I know you've there's been some private equity and you'll tell me about that. But, did you have any desire to take institutional capital? No. Why not?
0: Um, I mean, I, I've been, I, I've worked in private equity. I, I know what it, I know what happens. And, uh, but sometimes, you know, you just, you just need it to, to, to be able to scale and do what you need to do. You know, it's, um, it's, uh, you know, it's just part of the, part of the game, you know, depending on, you know, if you're, if you're an entrepreneur and you want to, um, you know, build a business that you know, where you're, you know, bringing in a couple hundred or a couple million dollars in annualized revenue. And, you know, you want to stay, you know, local, you want to do, you know, that's fine. I mean, you don't need to do that. But if, you know, if you want to do what we're doing, where you're national and you've got, you know, top 100 clients, you know, uh, fortune 100 clients, and, you know, you, you've you got to, you've got to be able to deliver and you need to be, you know, you, you have to have the vision. Right. And so I think, um, you know, for, if you're an entrepreneur, I think in all honesty, you just got to ask yourself, what do you, you know, what are, what is really your ultimate goal? And then you make that decision. But I bootstrapped um, basically the first year. um, And then, uh, and once I, once I was able to, you know, cause I didn't even know if I was going to be able to get, you know, uh, providers to accept my contracts. Right. And then when all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, I get CBS and all of a sudden I get, you know, all these other contracts, I was like, okay, this mm. is, this is viable. Right. And so then, um, then for the proof of concept, which is, I called the series a, which really been more angel investing. Um, mm-hmm. I raised a million dollars, friends and family. And then from mm-hmm. there, we, um, once we proved the model, um, we, uh, we went and we raised a series B and that was private equity. And so, um, you know, we got, we found a, a real good lead investor that had a lot of insurance experience. So we, um, you know, we were very strategic how we brought people in and so that we're going to be on the board, investors. So we have a ton of people that are from the industry. So, you know, at any given time, if I need an introduction someplace, or if we need some help somewhere, um, you know, we even on our board, we have a, um, uh, an ERISA attorney and, uh, mm-hmm. you know and he's one of one of our best board members so
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, you know he helps out with everything so this is you know I, you know as you're as you're doing it you know you really need to make sure that you're just you're asking yourself the right questions what your ultimate goals are cuz if you know cuz there are a lot of people i mean it makes sense look if i can if I, if I can make half a million dollars a year with a couple million in revenue and have 10, 10 employees five employees whatever it is Hey, that's a good life. If that's what you want, great. You know, Mm -hmm. you just got to be honest with yourself.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, and in fact, I just, I had this conversation frequently and I just had it um, on Monday with someone where, you know, I said, listen, it's not, my job is not to tell you how large your company should be, how much money you should want to make. That's not my job to do that. My job is to ask you the questions and help you get to where you need to get based on your answers, right? So, I'm curious, how are you finding your prospects? Are you finding them? Are they finding you? Is it a combination of inbound and outbound? What does that look like?
0: Yeah, great question. So, today, um, we are what you'd call broker-focused. So, um, you know, the all the largest benefit brokerage houses uh, we work with. And so, um, and that takes a lot of time and energy, by the way, it's very, it's, you know, getting credibility there. Um, so we, that's where we focus today. We, um, we have a couple other channels that next year we're opening up, um, on the individual space, which will be, um, which will be really good, but we really focused on the group first. And the reason is there's, um, there are other companies out there that have done the direct to consumer first but you're burning through millions and millions in cash just to get it out. Your cost, you know, your yeah. cost of yeah. acquisition is ridiculous. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, which is, I mean, which is fine. I mean, if you, if you're going to raise that much money and you're going to do that, but um, again, with, with a lot of money comes great responsibility and expectations. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it's uh, um, so we went the we went the group route first and so now we've got stability, you know, you've got, you know that that business just is a flywheel. You know you you do a really good job for them, and you get a good reputation. It, they just renew, and you just grow that business year in year. Out. So that's fantastic. So we are now entering into um, the individual market next year, and then we've got um, we've got some specialty markets that uh, that we've been uh, white labeling some products for that um, that we're really excited about that we think are gonna are are gonna go. Really well for us. They may even be our largest book of business within the next two years. So,
1: yeah, Shane, it, it, did you have any trouble initially enrolling brokers into what you were doing?
0: Yeah. So the large brokers wouldn't even talk to me because, and the and here's the what's the funny thing is it's because so like I wasn't
1: quote people like that. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, because, yeah. because Some I'm not even bankers. from the industry. So they look at that yeah. as a double right. negative, right?
1: That of course. Yeah. And
0: so, uh, <laughs> I actually worked with Aflac agents my first couple mm-hmm. of years. That's where I really, we got a lot of our cases and then just small cases. So the Aflac people were, you know, were really good for us. But, um, when we hired, um, we hired a guy, that has 30 years experience and has a great reputation. And he really helped us with the intro into the, you know, the bigger brokerages and yeah, he had a lot of credibility. Thing. And so that helped us a lot. And that was almost three years ago. So, um, so that was how we got in.
1: Yeah. Do, do you consider yourself an insure tech? Yeah. do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We've got a, we've got a tech stack with, um, so we, uh, um, from our mobile app, and then, um, and then, internal proprietary software.
1: Got it. So, what's I mean? Is it like typical insurance where you need at least two employees, two full-time employees, to be able to buy what you have?
0: <laughs> yeah. So f- for us, we need we need at least twenty-five enrolled today. But with the new individual plans, we'll be able to go down. That'll to one. change,
1: obviously. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And is that? And is the price going to be higher though?
0: Actually, uh, believe it believe it or not, no. I mean, the pricing that, um, we're working with, uh, the carrier that we're working with, um, the pricing actually was the same, which I couldn't believe it. So usually you're right. There's more risk involved. Yeah, well, than, that's
1: why I ask. but, sure. um,
0: but you know, with our, our plans. So where it's interesting. So if you remember, you know, my parents, my mom tells me about it all the time. She's like, Oh, you have insurance, like what insurance used to be, which is, you know, it was first dollar coverage, right? You would pay, you know, the insurance Mm -hmm. company would say, Oh, we're paying a hundred dollars for this visit or $50 Mm -hmm. and that's what we pay. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's on a schedule. Well, that's what we do is so, so from a, um, and some of our plans, so I'll give you an example. We, um, and we're different in the sense of your, it's called indemnity, limited medical fixed indemnity. That's how the indemnity plans. So we pay a fixed amount. Well, we we do things a little bit differently in the sense that before they would say, Oh, well, we'll pay, let's say, seventy-five dollars for a physician visit and you get two visits a year, right? Right. We,
1: right. we don't
0: we don't limit the number so, of, sounds
1: like my plan. <laughs> yeah.
0: We don't we actually don't limit the number of visits. We actually right. say here's a bucket of money. So let's say five thousand dollars or a hundred thousand, whatever it is. Spend it how you want. Exactly. How high you want. Yeah. And then you can love it. You can just go, you can choose. And so we have that, and then we have what's called a AME, and accident medical expense policy,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, where it's per accident, the low plan is 5000 the high plan is 10000 But what's really nice is there's no deductible. We don't have any deductibles. We don't have coinsurance.
1: Fantastic. And,
0: and so we really focus on the user experience, making sure. I mean,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it, you know, what's really interesting is six years ago, our plan was 40% higher than what it is today, and we had less benefits. So we've gone the exact opposite. We've actually we lowered a, our all pricing. All the other
1: carriers. Yeah. Stuff, right?
0: And so our whole goal is really providing affordable access to care. I mean, you'll hear me yeah. say that a million times. And the reason is, oh. you know, we don't even use, I mean, we have access to an RX plan if you want a fully insured mm-hmm. plan, but we don't yeah. recommend it. And the reason is mm-hmm. we literally get the top 50 drugs for Forty of pennies. them, forty, yeah, forty yeah. of them less than ten yeah. bucks, and then the other, yep. the other ten, the last ten, we get less for twenty bucks. So why pay? You know, I agree. A, why pay a ten dollar copay for a generic mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. costs five dollars? It makes. I, I, I mean,
1: I totally agree. I don't, I don't have it on my plan.
0: Yeah, it there's doesn't. No, make there's any no sense. need to. Yep, and it doesn't so, make any
1: sense. Yeah,
0: so in our average age is thirty eight, so there's a lot of no. a lot yeah. less, you know, a lot less. Uh, uh, prescription medication going on, you know, more birth mm-hmm. control and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. Right. <laughs> so let's talk about, you know, you as a first time CEO. Um, I I'm sure there are more than we have time to talk about, but, you know, tell me about a few of the biggest challenges you encountered as a first time founder CEO and what you did, like, like, did did you realize you were making the mistakes? Did somebody else have to point them out to you? And then what did you do to get past those and move forward rather than having those things limit limit your growth?
0: Well, I'm I'm a pretty honest person. So I'm I'm I'll be the first one. You know, I've got I I'm lucky enough to have you know the best management team I've ever had in my thirty year career. So I you know, and they're very, you know, we have very good open dialogue. So um, <laughs> one of them is my COO long who was with me at our last company too. So yeah, he, uh, he let me know on one, but I, I but I, I, mean, I knew it. It was just, but, uh, it was, I think this is in startup. Here's the the biggest challenge. And I, and it was, this was 100% my fault was we didn't have the right sales leader in the beginning.
1: Big and so, problem.
0: yep. And so it was, and we, we probably not probably, we knew it sooner than we reacted. And, and no, we,
1: we, we, we,
0: we thought that with the insurance experience, with um, the connections, the strategy, you know, we would be able to make it well, you know, the, the problem, the problem was when, you know, when you, when you're working 16 hours a day, and he's barely working six. And, you know, he's more focused on, Hey, I need X, Y, Z compensation. I need this. And we're not seeing any results. You know, it was, um, you know, it, it was, it was very apparent. So we, we made the change. Um, it was, uh, it was pretty painful at first, but um, we were able to find the right person, as I told you, and uh, he's come in and, I mean, honestly, it's, it's night and day. I think Jack Welch said it best was, I never looked back and said, I, I should have, I should have waited longer to let this person go. Right.
1: Well, yeah. Right. And, and, uh,
0: <laughs> and so I, I, definitely, I definitely did not go back and say that, but you know, we made the, we made the change. And so that was, it. so I, I think, you know, when I talked to other entrepreneurs, they asked me, what's the number one thing. And as a matter of fact, one of my buddies, we were talking about this a year ago. I, I was like, you need to get rid of that sales guy and make the change now because this is not going to bode well. And sure enough, a year later, he's like, You're right. And I let him go. And and so I think a lot of entrepreneurs, they, they um depending on, you know, so I, I come from a sales background, so I'm very focused on sales. So um if, if if you're a tech person and you're not focused on sales and you don't, you know, even it may even more be more difficult for you to really get that right person. But I think the salesperson, cause that's what drives revenue period. And, and by the way, don't, don't be fooled by it. anybody else that tells you anything that revenue is secondary to your beautiful product or that you keep multiple, you know, making, you know, building and, and, and improving every day. If you can't sell it, mm-hmm. there's no revenue coming in. So revenue is key. Right. And so, um, yeah. So anyway, so I, I, you know, and that's, that was my biggest problem or my biggest mistake. The second mistake was from waiting too long to, um, to raise money. Uh, we, you know, we got put in a position our second time where, and uh, you know, I'll never, you know, never do this again, obviously, but you know, where we got down to the cash and, you know, we had all this stuff going on, we had all these prospects and they just kind of kept, delaying and, oh, well, we need to, you know, and so what happened was we got put in a, a cash position where we, you know, we ended up just really last minute and it just, it just wasn't good. And, you know, and that again, that's, that's my fault. You know, I should have, yeah. I should have started mm-hmm. six months earlier and we should have, um, you know, we should have, we should have had some competing, uh, competing people. And so, um, but you know, what's funny is when you're in the thick of things, the last thing you want to do is raise money. The last thing you want to do. And so, um, you know, there's some good, uh, good people out there that'll do the raising, you know, they'll raise the capital for you and it may cost a little money, but it's probably the best money ever spent.
1: Yeah. So do you have any examples of, and there may or may not be here, of course, of you you know, you've talked about some of your mistakes, but making mistakes um, at how you deal with your employees or how you are communicating with anybody—is there anything on on there?
0: Um, I think over communication is better. I, you know, a lot yeah. of times um, you, you tend to internalize stuff, and you're, you know, you're you're so stuck in your world because, especially as a, a as a new CEO, uh, you've got all the weight you know, like I didn't pay myself for the first three years. Right. So you got all the way you're, you know, you're paying everybody else, but you're not, you know, you're writing big checks every month for everything. And so, you know, you tend, um, you tend not to, you know, not to communicate as much. And so I think that that was probably one of my biggest mistakes um, so I, I communicate a lot more. I mean, I, like our board meeting, we were going through something the other day and I kept everybody on and we walked through and I, I just wanted them to, from a learning experience to understand what was going on from a, you know, just, a, um, from a, a knowledge base that way they're like, okay, I know this is, this is what's going on. And so we're, we're pretty open. We have a leadership call every, um, uh, every Monday and, uh, and we run through everything we, i I, I share the good the bad and the ugly and so I think that's really good and then letting making sure that they're communicating that to to their employees and but um but we you know we get together on pretty much on a quarterly basis and we go we go let it uh, let it hang out we we you know we go karaoke we go you know and that's with everybody so we have we we really do have a good good um close group um you know it's uh that's one of the things when you're it's kind of like I when, when you're in the military and you're in stressful situations and how you become so close, you know, this brother and sisterhood, right. Um, you know, we're in the, we're in the trenches every day, you know, I mean, it's look it's not like I'm sitting up in some ivory tower looking down and not under, you know, I'm, I'm talking to clients if they're not happy or I'm talking to, you know, I'm talking to, you know, people every day in our business. And so, um, you know, it's, uh, it's really actually, it's, where I love to be, anyway. I mean, I love, you know, our. We have a lot of young people that work for us, and I love the in the development that you see in their career and how far they've come, and um, you know, just getting to know them on a personal level is awesome.
1: Yeah, what's the competitive nature of your business?
0: Uh, we're we we have some serious competitors. Um, it's uh, you know, it's a uh, it, it's a uh, it's a really competitive business. We. Um, Uh, You know, of course, you know, we have some really key differentials. We've done really well. Uh, We've made a lot of noise. But look, I mean, there's people are going to catch up. And so I think, um, you know, the, the the good news is this is not an innovative market. I mean, you know, it's, <laughs> geez, well, I, I, I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating when I, I see some I of the, you're
1: not. <laughs> I see some of the,
0: some of the uh, proposals that, you know, we're competing mm-hmm. against. And I was like, holy yeah. crap, did they just pull that out of the seventies or what, you know? Yeah. And, and so, you know, it's, it's competitive, but um, yeah. I like it because you know yeah. why it, it keeps us sharp, right? I mean, we evaluate, mm-hmm. you know, we get, we get competitive proposals. We evaluate everything on it. Um, You know, we look back, if we lose a deal, we look back, why do we lose a deal? You know, I mean, it's on us. And so, um, you know, we've we've got a big deal going right now. Where, you know, we're making the assumptive close when we're, we're in there for the finalist presentation. We're doing a lot of things. You know, we're preparing ahead of time trying to get, you know, knock that out because we've learned in the past that you show up and you're, you know, shame on you that you're not in there um, you know, showing, showing how awesome you are. Right. Just going in there with normal stuff. So,
1: yeah. So you were talking a little bit about your employees. You, you've got 20 employees, which, you know, kind of from far off, doesn't seem like a lot for a five and a half year old company. Yeah. Um, so I, I want to hear a little bit more about, about that, but, tell me a little bit about your talent strategy, right? So we talked about, you talked about your first head of sales. I'm curious, did that person come out of one of the big carriers?
0: <laughs> no, no. Well, actually really? I take that back. No, no, no. They did. They, they were, yeah. they were with one of the, um, not one of the Bucas, but they were with a, uh, a large supplemental carrier. And yeah.
1: Well, yeah. Yeah. So, and so
0: yes, they, okay. they, they did. Um, so from here's, here's how, does it
1: it occur to you that maybe that was the first problem?
0: Yeah,
1: exactly. That's probably what you shouldn't have been hiring. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) You've learned that now, clearly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, but you know, what's interesting is, um, you know, I, I know there's a lot of people that, and I, I, there's another company that, um, you know, a real innovative company that came out in our space that, you know, they, it was funny we're we're, I think a year older than them. Revenue wise were larger than them, but they were, they had like 10 times the amount of employees we had, you know, and they're burning through cash like crazy. And, you know, it's funny is um, we've always been, I guess, maybe because more, you know, I started as a bootstrap. I, you know, my goal was not to raise $500 million to, to do this, you know, because, I you know, exact opposite. I want to, I'd rather be doing 500 million in revenue and have, you know, a couple million in debt. Right. And so, you um, so our our talent strategy is really um, I look for people that that want to do more, right? You know, you have you have people that want to go in, they want to do their job, and they want to get out of there, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: What we look for is I want people that have that they may be in account management, but they're talking to our CFO every day, so they have they have hey, they'll call up Alex and say hey, Alex, you know what? I was looking at the revenue for this client and blah, blah, blah. I think we should change this. And, uh, you know, the the problem when you go to a big corporation is everybody says, oh, it's a great training ground. You learn, you blah, blah." Yeah, but you learn your job. You're not learning anything else. And that's the problem, right? right? That's the
1: beauty of a startup.
0: Exactly. And so, so I look for those people because, you know, it, and I'll, I'll give you one of our, one of our, um, our executive vice president, she, she manages all of our, um, She's really doing marketing and implementation and, and uh, really anything client facing. I mean, she's got literally four people's job right now and, and she manages it all. But what's so nice about it is this is what she wants to do. And that's what you got to find is because there's people that are like, would call me up and are like, uh, this is way overwhelming. I'm, I need you to hire two other people to do this, which is fine. I get it. But we, um, but when you, when you have control over, all the aspects. Now, all we're doing is adding people under her to manage certain things as we grow. So from a scalability, it's much, um, it's just much easier. You're not adding 50 people, you're adding three people, right? And so um, even though we only have 20, you know, we've got, you know, we have, uh, I mean, from our enrollment team um, that we, you know, we have dedicated people to our, you know, customer service, you know, we have, you know, 50 plus people that are, and, and we can scale that up by the way we have, you know, we can scale up to 150 very quickly. So we, we have outsourced services that, you know, because e- even right now it's still, it's still less expensive for us to outsource certain things as opposed to bringing it in a mm-hmm. house.
1: Yeah. And we've, yeah.
0: and, and we have dedicated people, which means that we have full control over it. Right. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: so anyway, so, um, so we, so that's, so, I know 20 seems kind of small, but it's, I mean, we've really got 50 plus, plus we can scale up, you know, mm-hmm. during during the busy season, which is coming up this last quarter, you know, we'll have, mm-hmm. you know, we'll have a lot more people. Uh, but these um, are all, these the are all contractors basically. Yep, they're though. all contractors. Yep.
1: Yeah. Do, do you foresee going to a larger number of, you know, W2 employees?
0: Oh, absolutely. I, I, I think, grow? We'll, yeah, yeah I, I think within the next three years, Two to three years, if we still, you know, if we're, if we're on our, if we continue on our same growth trajectory, you know, we're going to have, you know, we're going to have to bring a lot of that in-house and we're going to be, you know, we're going to be 100, hundred, hundred plus, 150 plus people. Yeah, Easy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, you know, again, it's um, it's always timing, right? I mean, to me, it's always a math problem. If I can do it cheaper outsource than I can do it in-source. I,
1: yeah, you're pre- yeah, and you're preaching to the choir.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I just… You know, you look at, you look at our overhead right now, we are nimble. We can make, we can make things happen overnight, right? Where other people are like, oh my gosh, you know, it's, it's a lot different. Mm
1: -hmm. Did, did COVID uh, require you to adjust how you were doing things? Yeah. Like were you all in the office and then you weren't and now you're, you've realized, look, I can get people from all these other places.
0: (laughs) Exactly. We, we actually, you know, I think today there's two people in the office. And so yeah. we, everybody was in the office and then now nobody's in the office. I, you know, I think, unfortunately <laughs> I just signed a new lease <laughs> last year, uh, so yeah. that hurt. but, um, you know, it yeah. is what it is. I, I'm not going to worry about it. You know, we, um, for me, it's just all about the talent. I, you know, I have, um, I have a, a lady that it should be, yeah, I have a, I have a lady that, uh, that I work that's worked with us since our last company. And, um, know she's in nebraska and she's unbelievable and and you know and it literally was funny is we were we were zooming like this back you know eight years ago before it was even a thing and her little her little daughter grew up right in front of me right she was pregnant when i first took over and then she had Uh a baby and and you know now she's sending me pictures she's going in third grade right i mean so you know it's uh um So I'm really comfortable with this. I think there's, you know, there are things that you miss out on, unfortunately, you know, um, Mm -hmm. some camaraderie, which as a salesperson. Yeah, I,
1: I get it. So, so what are you doing about that? What are you doing to, you know, are you, are you bringing everybody in? I mean, how many, how many people do you have locally, you know, down there in Dallas versus, you know, of the, of, of your total number of employees, 20 employees, how many of those are? So, so almost all of them are. Yeah. Almost all of them are in this area. So that's why I was saying. So why aren't you doing a get together once a month or something like that?
0: Oh, we're doing it quarterly. Yeah. We get together every, we fly everybody in and sometimes it's more, but you know, we get out and and, yeah, absolutely. We do that. Yeah. I mean, that's
1: really, really important. Oh, it is. It's, if everybody's going to be working remotely,
0: it is, I completely agree. And it's, um,
1: that's what I miss the most.
0: I know I, I miss the most about too. Working and, at home, you know, people mm-hmm. people that that I work with will tell you I'm very um, I'm very direct. I'm like I'll tell you, you know, I'll tell you right now that I appreciate you incredible. You know, you're doing great work. I just want you to know how much I appreciate. You. I say this is to me. I think it's the most. Um, important thing that I do is just making sure, because I've worked for people that would never give you a compliment in a million years, even though they'd love you. Right. And, um, and for me, I just, I always, you're doing a great job. I appreciate what you're doing to them. Very specific about what they're doing. Right. Not, so it's just not words. Um, you know, we're really big on family here. I mean, I think, um, you know, one of our people are, they're going home to take care of their mom. She has surgery um, on Thursday. And I'm like, no worries, just go. You know, it's just you know. I think that um, uh, one of the things that COVID really brought to the forefront that has always been important to me is is family. And so, you know, I, I nobody takes off time. I'm not charging them time if they got to go to a, a kid's event or a kid's doctor appointment or whatever. Um, my my motto has always been: Look, I'm going to be calling you at eight o'clock at night some night, and I'm not paying you for it. Right? It's you know. So you're you're taking off time. Don't worry about it. Right? It's just it just, it just you know, I, I think that um, we're all adults and if you're not performing, mm-hmm. you're not performing. So, you know, we'll, work, we'll work on something else.
1: You know, I, 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 I think I have to point out here that when COVID first started, one of my girlfriends, her husband works for fill in the blank, large uh, insurance company. <laughs> and um, uh, uh, she said to me, oh, yeah, um, Brent's going to be um, working from home full time. This particular company closed, I think, at that time, five campuses. Oh wow! Because what they discovered, and and, and this shouldn't surprise anybody—they do understand the insurance sector—they um, discovered that their people were actually working while they were at home.
0: Yeah, um, amazing. <laughs> and you
1: know that included their, you know, their hourly workers, right? Their lower wage workers, right? You know, and and they're like, God, look at all the millions of dollars we're going to save by not, you know. And then they, they of course have since closed more campuses, right? And, and, and I think more and more companies have realized that. And of course the challenge becomes now, you know, I read in business insider, you know, such and such a company is, you know, I don't know if it was Schwab or, or which, you know, one of the finance, big financial companies. I just happened to see that today. I didn't, I didn't read the article yet talking about how, you know, they're, they want everybody back in the office. Okay. Good luck with that. That may or may not, that may, or, I mean, you know, then then figure out a hybrid model. You know, one model doesn't work for everybody.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think the hybrid model, like my sister-in-law, they, they just had a baby and she she literally wanted this job so bad. She, she was interviewing great company and they said, yeah. nope, you got to be in the office every day because things happen too quick. And I was like, really? She goes, yep. And what's funny is she would have taken less money if you would have given her two flex days, right? Just yep. Hey, all I wanted, because what, here's what, here's what people don't realize. I got to pay for daycare. And Oh, by the way, if you're in Texas, I don't know about other places it it costs. So it would have cost her $7,200 a year in tolls to go up. So, okay. Tolls? Just in <laughs> oh tolls, 72, that had nothing to do with very, gas. Very right?
1: Unbelievable. And so,
0: so why, why wouldn't you flex? So, so, um, when I had my, a month, when I ridiculous. bought my my first business down here in Dallas, yeah. we had um we we had uh, two customer service ladies that worked for us and and um when we moved our office, they came to me and by the way, very smart of them because they said, "Hey, look, this is going to cost us X, Y, and Z, and um you know to come in because you're now in your toll and you know you moved a little farther away mm-hmm. from our house mm-hmm. and blah blah blah, and look we we will be, you know, we'll, we'll work, we'll keep our metrics up, blah, blah, blah. And they were already doing great. So I was like, okay, let's let's try it out. Well, we had the number one or, or number two team every month from, uh, from a collection standpoint and just in this business. But the other thing was um, they were checking in at 7 o'clock in the morning. Well, they didn't show up at the office until 8.30, right? Well, they were already, you know, so we could we could watch. They were checking in and taking calls and we were like, Yeah, that's great. And they were so happy. And then they would come in every once in a while just to come in to, you know, see everybody, right? But it yeah, was right. on it was on their terms.
1: Yeah, very great. Um, how do you define your company culture, Shane?
0: Um aggressive, innovative, um, and uh, uh very collaborative.
1: Y- you know, you already mentioned that. You know, you've got that you over communicate. Is this to the entire organization? And would you would you say that you have a culture of feedback? And do you know what I mean by that?
0: Yeah. So I think that we, I don't over communicate to the whole organization. I over communicate to our our leadership team, which leadership is leadership team, yeah, which is half of our organization. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> But from a, a culture of feedback, I would say no. And, and just being completely transparent, no, we, I appreciate we, that. um, you know, one of the things I loved at striker orthopedics where I was for a long time, mm-hmm. we really focused on the Gallup. We had the Q12 every year. And, mm-hmm. um, and we, you know, we had our annual reviews and it was, it was wonderful. Um, we're aiming towards that this, um, this next year, actually, it's funny. I was just talking to our head of sales and I was like, I want to remove myself from the sales process next year, <laughs> right? Uh, so we're right. you know we're looking at interviewing and bringing in some more salespeople to so mm-hmm. I can really focus on.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, exactly that, and, you know, I, growing the company. Yeah. yeah right. And, it, and, and filling in what you, what you're, you know, the gap, you know, if you put yourself on a scale of one to 10 and, you know, you're a five in that area, you've got to fill in that gap someplace. Yeah,
0: You're exactly you, you right. You've got to be able to
1: do it somehow. And you can't and, do it if you're doing jobs that you really shouldn't be doing anymore. No, you're exactly right. And I think, and, and, yeah. and, and
0: that's the, you know, as an entrepreneur, that's always the balance, right? It, it's really challenging because, you know, revenue, revenue is king, Right you yeah, know, mm-hmm. increased sales cures all. And so, mm-hmm, yeah. but the, but the problem is you're so in the weeds on the sales side, you're not able to do these other things effectively. Right. And, and, um, and we're finally at a point where, you know, that's, that's, I've got two other sales guys that are doing really well right now. We bring in a third and a fourth, they don't need me. Right. And so, um, which is great because um, that allows me to do what, what I've always done. And that's, you know, um, you know, you look at Q12 scores back when I was at striker and, and, uh, you know, it really gives you a good gauge of, of how you're doing. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. How do you spend your free time? So
0: uh, with my working. family, uh, play a lot of golf and I fly fish. <laughs> those are my, those are my passions. I know how, uh, you know, how boring.
1: You have fly fishing in Texas?
0: Uh, (laughs) well on the coast, but we have a house up in Colorado and, uh, we, um, we have a house right on the Rio Grande in Colorado. Oh,
1: very nice. So you're down there. Uh
0: Yeah. So I spend, uh, Mm -hmm. um, so I spend the summers up there fly
1: fishing. Fantastic. So if somebody listening to this interview loves what you're doing and is interested in investigating, working for Hooray Health, what should they do?
0: Go to hoorayhealth.com, H-O-O-R-A-Y health.com, and uh, reach out. There's a uh, you can get in, uh, get in there and find out that we have job postings on LinkedIn. We have job postings on Indeed. I think we've got eight openings right now. So if you're looking mm-hmm. for a job, give us a call.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Well, Shane Foss, founder and CEO of Hooray Health. Thanks so much for being with me today. I've enjoyed this conversation.
0: Yeah. Thanks, Carol. Really enjoyed it. Thank you.
1: Thank you for listening to Authentically Successful. If you are a successful founder or CEO who would like to be on this program, please visit verticalelevationcom slash podcast slash apply. If you learned something from this interview and it made a difference, please share it on LinkedIn or Twitter. You can also do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend. And if you know of someone who would be a great guest, tag them on LinkedIn or Twitter to let them know about the show and include the hashtag